Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you Come to the water of life You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. It was a hideous crime, the crime of murder. I even hesitate to talk like this. It was planned and executed by the government against an innocent man. Many such men have been 
murdered through the years. But this was not just any man. This was the man who was the creator of all life. And they murdered him. They killed him. We come to his time with his disciples in Mark, the eighth chapter. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, or literally he must be tortured and killed. He had to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law in Jerusalem that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter was used to Jesus teaching in parables. This was not a parable. This was reality. This was what was going to happen to him in a very short amount of time. Jesus looked at him, and he rebuked him. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. He introduces here, the devil, saying very plainly, the devil has in mind to kill me. Then he called the crowd to him and his disciples, and he said, if anyone would come after me, that is, if anyone would follow him, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now let's be very, very plain. Jesus is not speaking figuratively. He is speaking literally. Following Jesus has cost countless numbers of men, women, boys and girls, and babies to be murdered to be actually murdered in real time and history and space. It is a dangerous thing to follow Jesus Christ, and it is going to become increasingly dangerous in America to follow Jesus Christ. And many in America will die because they will not renounce their faith to Jesus Christ. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his angels. Now, because Jesus is on the countdown to when he will die, they have a Passover meal together. 
Judas denies Jesus and walks away. And then Jesus begins to talk with his disciples. And it's not casual chit-chat. It's literal. I don't know how to say this to you. It's literal talk. It's life and death talk. Chapter 15 is kind of in the middle of his dialogue with his 12 disciples as they're in the upper room. I want to share some of that with you. And again, I want to say to you, this is not a parable. Please understand. We are called by Jesus Christ to come out of the world and to become a part of the work of the gospel. Now, did you hear that? We're not called to settle into the world and the ways of the world because the day is coming when every man and every woman will face the judgment bar of God and it will be Jesus Christ, the murdered one, who sits on that court of justice and he will decide for every person whether they are eligible to enter into the kingdom of God or whether they frittered away that opportunity and joined with the powers of darkness against Jesus Christ. There are only two powers, the powers of darkness and the powers of light. And many of you have come into this delusion that there is a middle place where you can kind of slide between Jesus and the devil in the deep blue sea. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. You either join the forces of Jesus Christ as he has now been resurrected from the dead and he now leads the kingdom of God. There is a major war going on in this world between the powers of darkness and the powers of light. Jesus Christ is establishing his eternal kingdom. And Satan is fighting it with every ounce of energy he can muster, including murdering Christians. He says in chapter 15, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You understand what he's talking about. He's he's not speaking in parables again. He's saying, look, I'm the source of life. And if you want life, you're going to have to hook up with me. You're going to have to join my kingdom. And everyone who says, I will join your kingdom, Jesus, 
but then does not produce any fruit for the kingdom, any recruits for the kingdom, who does not produce in his life the righteousness necessary to be a part of this kingdom, you will be cut off from the kingdom of God. The Father will do it, and you will be cast into the fire and be burned. You will be ashes. Now, I hope my saying that jogs you enough to say, yes, this is very serious. And yes, I may lose my life by joining the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But in the long term, I'm going to enter into life. And I will live for eternity in the joy of paradise with Jesus Christ. This is not simply some intellectual garbledygook. This is real stuff. People live or die based on what they do. They live or die based on the decisions they make about the kingdom of God. You don't get to coast. You don't get to just have a good time. You have to make a decision. He says in verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Ooh, that's a heavy one. Let's take it literally. The whole issue of the gospel of Jesus is that he would provide a way for Christ to be in us and for us to be in him, oneness, unity between us. Someone has just said, what is the kingdom of God? I can tell you very quickly. The kingdom of God is a powerful authority. The kingdom of God is literally what we see as a kingdom of Russia or the kingdom of Rome, or the kingdom of Babylon. It is an organized, it is an organized and principled state. It's not a place yet. It is an authority. And it is the kingdom of God fighting to come under the rule of Jesus Christ. To read the scriptures, to understand who he is and what he did for us, and then to come under his authority. Now the day will come, according to the book of Daniel, second chapter when there will be these huge kingdoms. There was Babylon. There was Medo-Persia. There was Greece. There was Rome. 
And now we're in the ten toes, not yet, but it's coming. But we're in the east and west Rome with the iron. And then a stone is cut out from heaven and falls upon all of that and absolutely grinds it into dust and powder. And it blows away. And this stone cut out without hands is the kingdom of God that that grows and fills the whole earth. Now today, you don't have to belong to the kingdom of God to, to live. But when that day comes, the only ones who will live will be those who are a part of the kingdom of God, submitting themselves under the authority of Jesus, living by the rules It is literally God ruling with authority and power. Now, that kingdom is currently being set up. And it is the church. And the unfortunate part is that the church has not remained in Jesus, and he has not remained in the American church. He has taken his power, and he has withdrawn. Now, I know that this is not going to be forever. Listen. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I'm called. I said yes. I joined the kingdom of God. I'm a member of the kingdom of God. As a member of the kingdom of God, I'm expected to function in a way that brings eternal life to others. I'm expected to function in a way in that kingdom as represented by the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. It is both personal growth and development directed by the Holy Spirit, ordered by the Holy Spirit, enabled by the Holy Spirit to be made righteous to be made holy, to be sanctified through and through. But it is also to function as the hands, function as the feet of Jesus in this world now, in ministry, in ways that bring people into Jesus Christ. To literally minister in ways that shares the information of the gospel 
shares the love of the gospel, shares the justice of the gospel, so that I become mature in Jesus Christ and I function with my attention on the kingdom of God and establishing it. Well, Pastor, what about I have to go to work? Yes, you go to work. That's your place of ministry. It's your place to win people to Jesus. If that's where the Holy Spirit has sent you, then go there to win people. And you win them by loving them and speaking boldly for Messiah, for Jesus Christ. Now, it's hard to even begin to talk about this because it's not how we've lived. We're homogenized in the modern church. We're homogenized with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we build great institutions. We build great buildings. And their purpose is big business. Their purpose is not to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to proclaim the homogenized word of Jesus. It's a different Jesus. It's not the same Jesus. This is very deceiving. The rituals and the practices of the modern church are homogenized. They're mixed with with the world. We're called to remain in Jesus, which means we are called to enter fully into his purpose, into his goals, but much more than that, to enter into him personally. The gospel is not an intellectual concept, although it is conceptual. The gospel is about Jesus Christ and how to walk together with him in his purposes and in his ways. As the Father, this is chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. This is not a sentimental love. This is not a sloppy love. This is the love that is very clearly about obeying the commands of Jesus Christ, not of the institutional church, but of the person of Jesus Christ. This kingdom is going to be about this authority of the kingdom of Jesus will be about how we treat people, but also what we produce for Jesus Christ in our love. And so, 
He's saying, remain in my love. Continue to obey what I have told you to do. Just as I obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. And your joy may be complete. Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So, love others. In the honest judgment of Jesus Christ's regulations for this kingdom. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. Don't tell me that your best friend is Jesus Christ, and then head off to that violent movie. Don't tell me that your best friend is Jesus Christ, And then you climb in somebody's bed and fornicate. Or go to the pornography. Don't tell me Jesus Christ is your Savior. When you follow the practices and the ways of this world, lying, cheating, stealing, fornicating, don't don't try to follow the devil and Jesus Christ. You can't do that. You can't follow two masters. Only one master. Money cannot be your master. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Many are called, but few are chosen. I believe every man on the earth has been called. Every woman has been called. But most have not been chosen. Because you did not walk. in accord with the Spirit. Bear fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now, I'm going to make some statements that some of you may have difficulty with. That's all right. The Holy Spirit is the one who moves freely among us, bringing to us the full understanding of the love of Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who draws our hearts into the certainty that our sins have been forgiven that the judgment of God has been canceled against us because we have fully repented 
And we are now choosing to live by the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus. We are choosing to live as a part of this alien, strange kingdom of God. Now, it all belonged to Jesus. He was the creator of it. Adam gave it away to the devil. And now Jesus has done the strangest thing. He voluntarily laid down his life to be murdered, to be offered as a sacrifice. He voluntarily laid down his life to open a door for salvation, to reestablish on the earth the kingdom of God. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Why would the world hate me if I practice the world's system? If I deal with reality... If I deal with people in the same way the devil deals with people. If I practice the ways of darkness, the world will love me. But if I practice integrity, self-sacrifice, if I practice the works of the kingdom of God in love and compassion with others. The world will hate me. What did Jesus do that made the world hate him? The miracles? The healing? The compassion? Did Jesus practice evil? And so the world hated him? No. He practiced righteousness. The world will not hate the person who says, I'm a Christian, but walks like the devil. And that person then says, oh, don't worry, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. The world will hate them? No. The world will love them. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. See, we try to make this gospel of Jesus Christ such an intellectual deal. Huh. 
Jesus said, I have the authority to lay my life down, and I have the authority to take my life up. Jesus is God, fully God and fully man. Who resurrected Jesus? Well, God did. Jesus is God. I mean, let's not get caught in these fully circular arguments. It grieves the heart of God. It has nothing to do with love. It has to do with foolish intellectualism. That's of the world. That's of the devil. That's not of Jesus Christ. You know, I I went off to graduate school to do my Masters of Divinity. And I was utterly grieved and disappointed by my three years, but I was required to have it to check that box. And so I finished my degree. Never once did any professor ever say, Have you read your Bible recently? No, it wasn't the Bible they were interested in our reading, except for intellectual understanding. And for institutional requirements. Oh, it was academic. Academic does not save a soul. It's a man's system. The word of God, carefully prayed through, carefully meditated on, carefully under the direction of the Holy Spirit, brings life to us. Oh, my brother, my sister. We have a father. We have a Son, and we have a Holy Spirit. God is one, manifesting himself in three. Now, can we get into an intellectual discussion about that? Oh, very quickly, we could get in a fight with a lot of people about that. And then we set up these foolish barriers and boundaries that have nothing to do with love but have to do with pride and arrogance, and it grieves my soul. I don't want any part of that wickedness. Chapter 15 of Matthew. I'm sorry, chapter 15 of John, verse 26. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. First John 3, 6, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. It's so easily done to get our our favorite topic and and get very intellectual and spiritual to fight with one another. That's not Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit has come among us. He's been rejected by most in their superior intellectual understanding. The Spirit of Truth is among us if we will but humble our hearts and read his word and ask him to teach us what he means and what he's talking to us about. He said to his disciples, All this I've told you so that you will not go astray. So that we will not be scandalized. That's the word in the Greek. We're scandalized by what Jesus said. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. They have only known the intellectual understanding that they have come up with with their scheme of understanding what the gospel is. I've told you this so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I'm going to the I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask but you're just filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send I will send him to you. Now, let me be real straight. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they all tried to argue with Jesus. And he responded in most cases by simply walking away. Oh, he, he confronted them on several occasions. He embarrassed them with his questions and his understanding. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. Oh, isn't that interesting? When the Holy Spirit comes, he does not come argue with you. He comes to deal with your guilt. He comes to call for repentance. He comes to call for men and women to lay down their pride, to stop arguing, to deal with their sin. You see, what saves you is not an argument. What saves you is the word of God as taught by the Holy Spirit. He comes to deal with guilt in terms of righteousness. What is righteousness? Literally, the word righteousness means innocence. He comes to wash by the blood of Jesus that we would be 
washed and made clean. And he comes for judgment. Church doesn't know much about justice today or honest judgment. We have a Jesus who is loving, forgiving, never holds anyone to account. No, John 16 says that the Holy Spirit is going to come for our good. He's being sent to us by Jesus. And his work is to convict of guilt. To deal with us in those areas in our heart where there is pride. To deal with us in our heart where we are sinning against him. To deal with us about how he's calling us to righteousness. And then he's also dealing with us in terms of, okay, if you continue in this way, this is the judgment that will come upon your life. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father where you can no longer see me. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world, the devil, now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. We're going to have to find truth by being guided by the Holy Spirit, not by our intellectual ability. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. When I come to this question. I find the homogenized understanding of the world, the flesh, and the devil doesn't do me one bit of good. I don't want the so-called truth of the homogenized church. I want the Holy Spirit to bring me fully and prepare me fully to be enveloped in Jesus Christ, to be fully brought into, to be brought fully into his kingdom. I have to tell you, I grew up in a very conservative church that believed they had the truth. When I grew older, I had to leave that because I discovered they didn't have the truth, that Jesus is the truth. 
And I tried different churches. I tried the Reformed Church. I tried different Pentecostal churches. I quickly learned I needed the truth as it is in Jesus. I need to be filled with the truth as it is in Jesus. The scriptures are not Jesus. The scriptures are meant open my mind and my heart to what the Holy Spirit is doing and to lead me to Jesus. The scriptures are not Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, He gave us the scriptures to teach us what we need to know. He told them, I'm going to go to the Father. They didn't understand what he meant. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after that you'll see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy with a child that has been born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will tell you again, and you will rejoice. No one is going to take away your joy. In the day that you will no longer ask me anything, I will tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. You understand? There is a certain level of intellectual understanding necessary to follow Jesus. You need to know that he was born of Mary, a virgin. You need to know that he is fully God and fully man. You need to know that he was crucified and on the third day rose from the dead. You need to know that he is ascended to the Father and preparing a place for you in heaven. You need to know that he has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and us to dwell in Jesus. There is the basic information. But bottom line, 
need to know that you are loved. And that Jesus wants you to love him by obeying his commands, by being transformed into his likeness, You need to know that you have to walk clean with Jesus, washed in his blood, filled with the Holy Spirit. I see the discussion that's gone on in the chat line today. People saying things like the Holy Spirit is not a person. Yes, he is a person. God is a person. Jesus is a person. With all the faculties of a person. He's not physical, but he is a he is a person. And I see that fight. I see the spirit behind what's being said. I'm deeply grieved by it. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Your church is so full of its own ideas and self. The cup is full and running over of self, of pride, of arrogance, of hardness of heart. Lord, it grieves me. It grieves me. It makes me want to go into the closet and just stay there and pray for the church. You love the church. But the church is so full of itself and its arrogance and its pride. Grieves me, Jesus. And I'm sure it grieves you. So, Lord, today I... I just give every person over to you listening to this broadcast. Lord, my heart is so heavy. Almighty King, would you send your Holy Spirit to teach us the truth as it is in Jesus Would you humble our hearts? Would you turn us away from our our bitter fighting spirits? Satan has come in, even into your church, and created an atmosphere where we, we fight with one another over the truth. Lord, have your way. I just surrender it all to you. And I say, have your way. Have your way, Jesus. We've split ourselves up into so many factions and groups and non-groups. Because of that pride, that arrogance, that hardness of heart. Jesus, please. Come and have your way. 
I pray in your holy name. I'm on this broadcast for only one reason. To share the gospel in Jesus. To listen to the spirit of truth. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. I love you. I am deeply grieved by today. I hope you are too. I'll talk to you soon. His glory with great joy. With great joy. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.